Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. This is Richard Gearhart. And Elizabeth Gearhart. On Passage to Profit, welcome to our show, the show about startups and entrepreneurs. And today we're going to talk about new trends in artificial intelligence for your website. Joining us for our show is John Coleman, and then we'll follow up with our three pitch contestants. So I first met John and coerced him into coming on the show <laughs> at Morris Tech Meetup in New Jersey. He's a sponsor of that meetup. His company, Microsoft, is. But the reason I really wanted John on the show was we started talking about websites and marketing, and he's been doing tech marketing for many years. One of the few people who I think is really good at doing tech marketing. And he knows what the trends have been and what the trends coming up are. And we started talking about some of these new trends coming up and what you kind of have to have on your website if you want to stay competitive and stick out from the crowd a little bit. So that's why he's here. Yeah, and uh, John is a partner with Microsoft specializing in technical solutions. And prior to joining Microsoft, Mr. Coleman was with the Six Sigma Qualtech, where he was responsible for both the company's European practice and global marketing efforts. Previously, he spent eight years with Capgemini Consulting, leading business development efforts in multiple vertical markets. So welcome to the show, John. It's great to have you here. Well, Richard and Elizabeth, you're both very, very kind. Uh, Elizabeth, it was very nice to meet you at the Tech Meetup, and thank you very much for this opportunity to uh, talk with the audience. My company, Microsoft, is based in Parsippany, New Jersey. Uh, we have a couple hundred developers, about 400 of us, and uh, we work with companies doing lots of interesting things, but most of our development work is kind of mundane. It's uh, automation of uh, Excel spreadsheets and so on. So I'm excited today to be talking with you, Richard, and you, Elizabeth, about some of the more interesting cutting-edge work that we're going to be focused on. So one of the things you're going to be talking about is AI on websites. You mentioned to me before the show, back in the 90s, all you needed was a website. But things have certainly changed since then. Oh, I think uh, that's an understatement that things have changed. Yes, in the 90s, it was just you put www in front of something and you had a brochure that you posted online and it was static. It never really changed, but it served its purpose at that time. It did a great job for everybody. As things evolved, you started to need content on your website. And why did you need content? It was so you became searchable. You had to add more and more information. And it was essentially sales material is what you were putting up there. Things that your sales folks would typically go out and present, you're now uh, putting on the website so can, people can see it. As time evolved, we moved into blogs, blogs and social media. This is really where you became relational and uh, demonstrated your expertise working with uh, clients and or uh, prospects. So where have we gone to now? Now... If you want to do something, you go to YouTube and you look for videos. People don't read anymore. Everybody wants immediately a experience of somebody showing them what's happening. So where are we moving to today? If you try and talk to your kids, are you going to give them a phone call? Probably not. You're going to text them. Why? Because that's how people today want to communicate. They want to chat. And how does it chat work? Very, very simplistically, your conversation is on the right-hand side of the screen, and the chat organization, the person you're talking to, is on the left-hand side of the screen. So, John, let me, I just, th this is really fascinating. I, yep. I, I really agree with what you're saying. We have a daughter who is now 22 years old. She won't even call a pizza parlor. She wants to interact with them online. She wants to make her order for the pizza. She doesn't want to talk to anybody. She just wants to be able to interact electronically. So I'm just curious, why do you think this is happening? Is it just that people are so used to interacting uh, electronically that they've just lost the patience to deal with real human beings? Well, ease of use is obviously uh, important, and the fact that people are accustomed to it is important. But what I really would put it to, if I gave it a single word, it would be frictionless. People are looking for an ease of communication that is completely frictionless, that they can respond in the time that they want, in the way that they want, in the medium that they want. And texting or messaging gives that to people, gives them a frictionless experience. I have children, they're both in their 20s, and they don't want to talk to me on the phone. 
They want it. They, <laughs> they want, want it. They're happy to text, right? That's absolutely correct. And that's not unique to my family. I'm sure it's happening everywhere. I guess it's just a it's a generational uh, phenomena that probably came about just through the extensive use of online services, cell phones, etc. John, I wanted a few years ago to put a chat function on the Gearheart Law website for patents, trademarks, and copyrights. But we were like, how do we man this? Like, everybody's busy all day long. They're on phone calls. They're writing patent applications. They're going to meetings. We don't have somebody sitting around all day being able to respond to a chat. We're not like a customer service company. So you've come up with a solution. You you know what the solution to that is now. Well, what's happening is you can't afford people sitting idly by just waiting for somebody to stumble upon your website Saturday at 3 a.m. when they can't sleep and you're going to respond immediately to their needs. So what we've developed, not solely, but what's industry-wide is being developed is artificial intelligence-based chatbots. And they come in many, many different flavors. But it's not something that's so new and unique. It's happening already right now. Today, 30% of all searches on Google are already happening via voice. You talking to your mobile phone saying, where's the nearest pizza shop or whatever your particular need is, but it's very command response driven. It's not yet a conversation. And that's really what we're moving to is a conversation with clients and potential clients. Well, I had an experience and I thought, I couldn't tell if I was talking to a chatbot or a real person, but I had an amazing experience. I called Verizon to get a problem solved and I went online. I got to the wrong place. I opened up the chat. The chat person, or I don't know if it was a person or an AI thing, because it said he was typing, but nothing showed up on the screen for a while. So it's like, I know he didn't type that long. So maybe this isn't a person. Anyways, he gave me a phone number to call, and I actually got my problem completely fixed and done in probably three minutes because of this chat. Well, so the, the chatbot either had a very good computer system on the background or a very poor customer service person, if you weren't <laughs> able to tell which it was. But uh, the reality is, if you have an electronic bot responding to people, it is very poor form to not alert people that you are talking to a bot. It is general protocol to let people know that they are, in fact, interacting with a system that can support many of their commonly asked questions, many of their common needs. But if you are uh, fooling people, that that's actually a, a very poor way to go. The question yeah. is, though, we have bots or chat boxes, right? So if you're on a website, you push a little button and a little box pops up and you stop, start typing into it, right? That's what the, the chat bot is. But we're evolving to the point where these bots are able to handle more and more questions and they're acquiring an artificial intelligence to the point where they could almost take the place of a a human customer service representative, right? So that's the direction that the technology is going. And before the show, we were talking about this, and and it's actually the point where that can start happening is in the relatively near future. You're absolutely correct. It's happening very, very quickly. Uh, Our hope is not to displace employees. That's nobody's hope, but it is probably the reality. What you want to be able to do is address commonly asked questions. If you have a page on your website called FAQs or frequently asked questions, that would be the place to start with your chatbot. And what you would do is come up with as many iterations of a potential question and have the directed response. Currently, it's happening right now. When you go to Google and you do a search, what does it return? The first thing it returns is three advertisements. These are people that are paying for your eyeballs, so that's top of the fold, uh, what you want to see. But directly below that is a box where it is attempting to answer your question. Below that, it provides you five million results, of which nobody ever gets to page two. The only first page really matters. But a chatbot is essentially doing the same thing. It's returning just the information within that box in a best effort attempt to answer the question. The next logical place for this is with devices like the Echo. Well, there's Alexa. Alexa, there's... right, and, and who, where you can actually have conversations with these bots. How much does it cost to get this bot on your website? So if I'm, I have a website now, we have a website, we want to add the bot. Is it expensive? To initially put a bot on your site that's a 
search bot is not expensive at all. But to train it is what becomes expensive. What needs to happen is you need to service it every month or whatever period of time to say all failed conversations, what was the correct response so your bot can get smarter and smarter. But no, it's a minimal investment to get it done. And if you have a base set of questions that you're really looking to address and the end of that conversation is let's connect you to a customer service person, it's not a large investment at all for your organization. You're listening to WOR. 710, and we'll be right back with John Coleman in just a minute. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application, Application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G E A R. H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. We're here with John Coleman, and we're talking about artificial intelligence and your website. And uh, just before the break, we got into a little bit of a discussion about the future of AI technology and what people can expect in terms of how interactive chat mimics human beings and what would be the greater impact of that on our society. Really what's happening is you have directed conversations, which can be tree logic, and that's very simple and basic. But when you talk about artificial intelligence, there's really two key words, which are empathy or intent. And what that's saying is the conversation, as it's listening, will see what what were you talking about previously to help direct the conversation to what you know. If you say, I need to schedule tea time, are you looking at golf or are you looking for crumpets? We need to understand. Crumpets, crumpets. Okay. so Maybe for you. Right. So it does need to understand the intent of the conversation, what was actually happening. When we're talking about emotional intelligence and environments that mimic human emotions and reactions, I mean, that is coming, but it's maybe a little bit further down the road. Right now, we're focusing on artificial intelligence just for helping people get basic information, basic scheduling, pricing, and those kinds of things. Yes, currently it's used for information dissemination, answering questions, industry servicing, uh, such as connect me to or find me a provider in my area providing a particular service, or completing sales transactions, e-commerce. But in the near future, it's going to be companions to maybe the elderly. Uh, It may be an instant translation capability, allowing you to interact with somebody that you might not be able to speak with otherwise. There is a lot happening, and it's happening very fast. Well, I'm worried about somebody creating a chat box like me and then taking out all of my irritabilities and all sorts of things, nice. and, then, and then giving it to Elizabeth, and she could talk to the better Richard, <laughs> you know, just by pressing a button. I mean, is that kind of thing really realistic going into well, the it future? Well, sound, it sounds like a boring Richard of the future. <laughs> we, 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 like a, we like an exciting, interesting Richard that has some flaws along the way. Well, we've um, got plenty of those. So what I'm just wondering for right now, because I really am really interested in this, I tried to get us to get video on our website a long time ago, but the reason we'd never put a lot of video on our website was because of downloading speeds. Everybody told us you're going to really affect how fast your website downloads. So the video is actually going to hurt you more than help you. But we do have a few YouTube videos, so which we're going to have more of those too. But I, I always like to try to be kind of ahead of the curve. So I am very interested in getting one of these chatbots on the Gearheart Law website. And just for simple questions and let me direct you to an attorney and then have an attorney take over at a certain point. So is that something your company does? Is there Are there specialized people that do this? There, it's absolutely something that we do. Uh, our organization, as I said, Microsoft, we provide a, a variety of services for organizations. But one of the newest areas that we are doing is chat development. 
and we're doing it for customer service as well as information dissemination within websites. Uh, it can return search results. So as patent attorneys, I'm sure you'll get lots of very common questions about what are the steps for a patent application? What are the uh, fees, renewals, and so on that mm -hmm. you could answer very readily on a website? And it's something that absolutely could be implemented for you. And that's uh, the business that Microsoft does, and we would be pleased to support you in that. <laughs> right. And so then, how does Google look at that for Google searches? Does it have any effect at all on, like, the Google spiders that crawl your site or any of that? The content that you're providing in your website would, in fact, be searchable. Uh, Google, when that comes into play, is really its voice capability. It has Lewis is the uh, voice recognition capability within Google, and uh, that's an acronym. I forget exactly what it stands for, but it's very important that it can translate spoken word into computer uh, bits and bytes so it can analyze exactly what's happening and process that and return a natural language generation response. Well, that sounds great. Well, thank you very much, John, for the description of the AI interface with uh, chatbots in your website. You're listening to Passage to Profit. And before we break, I wanted to just talk a little bit about how entrepreneurs can find us for Passage to Profit. That's my favorite thing about this show. Anyone can pitch. You don't have to be a superstar or know anyone. Just have a great idea or business we hold pitch auditions in New York City, and if your pitch is right for us, you can go on the air. You don't have to be in New York City to audition, but you have to be here for the show because we only tape in New York. And it's all paid for by our sponsors. The only thing that we ask of the pitchers is that they promote the show on their social media. So what about the contest? Sure. After the pitches, you, our listeners, can Google Passage to Profit Show and find the page on GearHeartLaw.com and vote for your favorite pitch. You can vote for a week, but you only get to vote once. So get your friends to listen and vote. If they miss the show, they can listen to the podcast to hear how wonderful you were. Just tell them to remember the name by imagining walking down a long passageway with a big pot of gold at the end. Passage to Profit. And may your passage be short and your profit be huge. You're listening to WOR 710. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearHeartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law. www.GearheartLaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And now we start the pitch competition. Each contestant will have a total of eight minutes to make their pitch. The first two minutes, they fly solo. And so for that time, describe their project and put it in the best possible light. The remaining time is for the Inquisition, where they'll be challenged by Richard, Elizabeth, and John to describe their project in greater detail and convince the audience their product is the best. At the end of the program, our listeners will be directed to the Passage to Profit page on the Gearheart Law website, where our listeners can vote for the pitch they like best. Our first pitch contestant is Robert D. Domenico. His company is Cargo Fish, and... I said futuristic for my word at the beginning of the show when we went around the room saying our words, and this is futuristic. Welcome, Robert. Thank you very much, Elizabeth. Thank you, Richard. John, nice to meet you. Really happy to be here, and thanks, everybody, who's tuned in and listening. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Cargo Fish? Cargo Fish is uh, the name that I was able to find, the dot-com still available, mm -hmm. for what will be the world's next utility, wow. a physical Internet through which everything else not carried by the current set of pipes and wires, cables and fibers, is going to be moved around our cities and towns and even across country. Many people have seen a little pneumatic shuttle tube in the outside lane at the pharmacy and at the bank, and they've used this. Now, very few people 
nurses would know, very other few, there's about 6,000 hospitals in America, and um, physical Internet systems based on pneumatics are in about 2,600 of America's hospitals. And that's hmm. just from the main two providers, SwissLog and uh, TransLogic out of Denver. CargoFish does not employ pneumatics. And by divorcing from pneumatics and embracing instead a blend between rail, slot car, electric vehicle, autonomous car, what we have is a network system that does to parcel and last mile what containerized freight and Malcolm McLean, who the father of containerized freight, did for global trade. And uh, in terms of efficiency, well... 10-pound electric skate can carry two gallons of milk on a lot less energy than a 4,000-pound car to the convenience store. So we believe it's a utility play, and it's a great play. Utilities are named because they're so useful. That's how their name is. And uh, Cargo Fish, it's the world's next utility, a physical Internet. So we're looking forward to changing the world. It's our moonshot. 50th anniversary, <laughs> right? Apollo, next July. Right. So, so if I'm sitting at home and I want a pizza delivered, I know I just go online or use a chat bot <laughs> to get my <laughs> order my pizza, right? But I want a gallon of milk from the grocery store a couple miles away. What do I do to use this? You're going to be fortunate when you're in the first parts of the country to get it. Uh, things are generally piloted uh, where the return is the best, the low-hanging fruit. I see this uh, going first in uh, campus environments um, because that's where the pneumatic systems already are. Um, so I see a multi-unit uh, building in New York City such as Stuyvesant. Uh, they have 800 units in some of those buildings. And I see a vendeteria in the building. The main important thing is that, you know, there are 5 million vending machines in America today. And... Each machine only can offer you what has been manually stocked mm -hmm. at great expense and at very limited variety. Mm -hmm. and, and I see fulfillment, like Amazon centers, reasonably close to a great number of attached vending machines in these vendeterias. And people in these buildings are going to have available 200,000 consumer products. On so, short notice. So just to make sure that I understand, so what you're contemplating is really a network of physical connections between different places, but then there would be little machines that would transport things along these rails or through these pipes, and that it would, it would, and rather than getting up and going to the store, the store could put the milk on the skate, and it could go through the tube, and then you could pick it up right at your house. Maybe the tube goes to your house, or maybe it goes to a spot on the corner. But this is what you're envisioning. And you're using the word utility because this is obviously something that would have to be managed on a very large scale, perhaps uh, some level of government, something akin to like what Fios does or the phone company or something like that. Is that a pretty accurate summary of what you're trying to accomplish here? Yeah, I'd say you're getting it. Um, <laughs> I'd say you are. I mean, the... So, and what's it going to do? You know, the cost of the last mile, those in the industry will tell you. The first dollar will get it from China to, to a distribution center outside of Philly. Mm -hmm. The next dollar will get it from the distribution center to the loading dock. It takes another dollar to get it from the loading dock into the store. And the consumer spends about $3 in transportation just getting to the store and bringing it home. Or... When they order it through Amazon, half of UPS money is spent in that little brown box truck on that last five or ten miles. The first half of it will get it across the country. And so we know this, and we have a specific technology. We've been at this eight years, over 8,000 hours of development. And this follows on my personal career is 30 years in nuclear power including 25 in commercial and, and six years in the U.S. Navy as a, a reactor operator and electronics technician. Before that, I grew up on a farm, and, and we, you know, overhauled diesels and maintained combines and tractors, and my hobbies were building my own bicycles. Honest, a streamlined recumbent when I was 14. And, wow. and slot cars that were hand-me-downs and broken, you had to fix them, and I love trains. So, I don't know. Somehow things all came out, and about eight years ago, this whole thing developed. I love it because I don't think 
we need to burn a gallon of gas to come home with a bolt from Home Depot. Robert, you're really bringing up an interesting problem that I've never really thought about. When I think about logistics and moving cargo, I think about self-driving trucks and moving things seamlessly across the country once it comes in from the port. But the cost of that last mile, getting it from the store to your residence for final consumption, saying that's three times the cost of any of the interim steps is just fascinating to me. How did you ever think about this as the logistical problem that you wanted to solve as opposed to moving of large freight as opposed to such small freight, single items that you're focused at now? I love that. So I'll tell you what happened was I was doing master's work in information science. Uh, I got my bachelor's degree after my nuclear career. I was 40 when I graduated. A book was recommended by a professor. She said everybody should read The Last Mile by Chris Long, former editor of Wired Magazine. And I respected that teacher and I ordered that book immediately. And when I read that book and it detailed the rise of Netflix and the demise of blockbuster and Hollywood video, and really it was about a a three-way triad between supply and demand and availability of variety. And you see Netflix opened with 70,000 available titles. No blockbuster could afford to make available to you more than 3,000. And two-thirds of Netflix profit came from 67,000 titles that their competitor couldn't even peddle because they correctly leveraged the available technology. And then I just had the right background and love of, you know, my hobbies were sailing, which led to windsurfing, which led to hang gliding, which, you know, and you're always calculating things in your head. I take the car out of gear when I'm coasting to the Lehigh Tunnel on the Northeast Extension, and I calculate, okay, if I'm moving at 63 mile an hour equilibrium, and therefore 88 feet per second plus, and, and that means I got 15 pounds push on this car. And I mean, I dig in and I, and I validate what I'm doing. And uh, I love it. It's like a glacier. We don't have the luxury of capital yet, which would be like heat, you know, and a, and a glacier that's melted runs like a rapid. But you can't stop a glacier. We're coming. <laughs> so you're looking for investment funding then? Well, I know it'll come one day. It's not that I'm looking. Um, but I'm admitting that I do this on my own dime and my own time because I know it's the right thing to do. It's my moonshot. There you go. So, Robert, how do drones factor into this new logistics? We've all heard the stories about Amazon delivering packages through drones. Is that part of your vision or not? Well, you know, drones are fair weather only. They're very low security. They're very high liability. And they're actually very high specific energy and specific cost. And that's how come you never see a fleet of helicopters hauling the spoil from any mining operation anywhere in the world. Land transport is green, and the greenest land transport is rail, and it doesn't have to be large scale. And I admire the subway. I love the New York subway. I studied it extensively. Anything related to transportation I've been studying and building. So I see drones never relinquishing their niche market, but the staples of everyday life are not going to fly to your house. Uh, That energy intensity, you might as well be carrying 20 pounds at a time in a Prius, okay? Well, that's... But that's a very practical analysis, and until we spoke just now, I never really thought of it that way. So, so I want to touch on something. So you brought an example of your transportation system. It's like a little hamster tube with a little slot car in it or something. Yeah. Do you, yeah. you want to have it go around? Maybe we can yeah, hear it. So what happened was one of the fellows that retired from where I'm working, uh, he found this, and he emailed back, and he said, Oh, God, Dito's got to see this. It's just like cargo fish. So nobody at home can see it. But a little shout out to, I think it's called uh, Zip Pipes or Zoom Tubes. And it's only been available about two years. And it's about a one-fifth scale of uh, our size of technology. And uh, it doesn't have everything exactly the same, but it's very similar. It shows you what's possible. little rhetorical question. What vehicles move the most miles to carry freight? What do you think? Trains? Well, so it might be, you say trains, okay, could have been ships, planes, trucks, or trains, but in reality, it's cars. Uh, the others carry a lot of freight, but there's 260 million cars in America, and we drive 300, 3 trillion miles a year. That's half a light year. Okay, so every eight years, we're driving far enough to get to Alpha Centura. 
And when we're only using a car <laughs> to carry a little pack of gum or a prescription, that's a lot worse than a single occupancy in a high occupancy vehicle lane. So we're bringing a solution that the world really wants, and uh, I'm happy to tell everybody about it. I love this. I'm pretty excited for it because I... As everyone knows, I do a lot of online shopping and everything, so I love having things delivered to me and not have to leave the house. Robert D. Domenico, and your website is? www.cargofish.com. Okay, so look for him on the web. He's got some very cool stuff on the site. I've been on there. You are listening to WOR 710 Radio on iHeart. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley, the inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, Contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart With John Coleman, and we're going to be hearing from Patrick Charon. That's the French pronunciation of his last name. Patrick, you have two minutes. Go. So, hey, everyone. My name is Patrick, and I am the founding member of Flowtribe.com. That is F-L-O-Tribe.com. So, Flowtribe.com is a community of what we call movers, breathers, teachers, and healers. These are people who have dedicated their lives to creating positive change in other people's lives. They are professionals in the health and fitness and wellness industries, and we want to provide them with a platform where they can share knowledge with the people who really need it. So that community has two parts. The first part is our members. The members, like I said, are professionals, trainers, teachers, therapists, people who are in the health and fitness and wellness space. But a lot of those people are struggling. They're struggling because it's a difficult business to be in sometimes because of the logistics of it. First of all, you're dealing with clients, which means that people are going to cancel on you. People are going to change up their schedule. They're working mornings and evenings and often have these long breaks in between. Often they don't have any other income. So if they get sick or if they want to go on vacation, God forbid, they don't have anything coming in. So what we want to do is we want to provide them with a platform where they can share their knowledge in a way that is, let's say, an online learning experience. And that would allow them to connect with way more people, but more importantly, would allow them to create a source of passive income, something that these people can really, really need. And I know because I speak of experience, I've worked in this industry for 15 years, and a source of passive income is something that I could really, really use. The other side of that is our users, the people who need that knowledge. Not everyone can afford a personal trainer. Not everyone has access to the best gyms or to the best therapists. And trust me when I tell you that I think a lot of the solutions out there they're great. You can download a fitness app. You can download a nutrition app. But why is it then that mental health issues are on the rise? Heart disease is on the rise. Obesity is on the rise. Obviously, there's something missing. And I think what's missing is the connection. So our community is all about connection. We want to connect the members, which are the people providing the knowledge, to the users, which are the people who really need that knowledge. And we connect them by giving them a window into the lives of the people they're learning from. If you look back at school and you were being taught math, what made it that you would learn well was the quality of the teacher, not necessarily the content. So more than just content, I want to help these people, our members, to tell their stories. Why did they get into the business? What's their passion? Why is it that they do what they do? And if we can do that in the right way, then our users are going to feel connected to our members. And that connection is going to enhance the learning experience. I believe that people learn a lot better when they believe in the person's delivering the knowledge. We want to do that by providing a revenue sharing model so that we would 
create the production and distribution system. And that way, our members only have to provide the knowledge that we can then help them connect with our users. That sounds great, Patrick. I'm ready to sign up. So <laughs> great. <laughs> um, can you tell us about a little bit about the universe of service providers that would be participating in the uh, Flow Tribe? We already have a small community. So this was launched in Montreal last year. Um, I'll call it a very, very, very soft launch because our platform isn't really there yet. But what I have found was the interest and the desire for people in this community. So we have amazing personal trainers. We have a physical therapist. We have osteopath. We have a Chinese herbalist. We have someone who uh, creates basketball workouts. We have different types of people who are all dedicated to what they do. But obviously, these people are super busy, so they don't really have time to do anything else, which is where we would come in. This is really amazing what you're talking about, Patrick. It's uh, really connecting people to the services and professionals on demand when they want it. Um, I often come home from work with great intentions of going to the gym. And next thing you know, the TV's on and uh, I opened a beer and there there went the gym. If I could have somebody to connect with that would help me get to the gym or give me the motivation or help me along the way, I think it would be personally beneficial. Um, As you're doing this, I see... Your goal is really reducing friction. You know, how do people more seamlessly work with the professionals around them? Do you agree with that kind of assessment? Yeah, 100%. And I think another thing you mentioned is motivation, right? So you got home from work and instead of going to the gym, you went home and you cracked open the beer and now it's too late. And the reason probably is because you were not very motivated to go to the gym because there was probably no one there waiting for you. There was no one there whose story was interesting to you. There was no one motivating you to do that. As where if there was this person that you knew online and you knew them, I mean, you may not know them personally, but you know enough about them to know that you really feel connected to them. Then when you get home, you'll be eager to get home and turn on your computer or your TV or whatever medium we're using and go access that content. And because you know you're going to have an amazing experience when you do. Or if you're thinking more long term, maybe it's a course. Maybe it's something that you're doing over an extended period of time. And you get to decide when that information is disseminated to you. But either way, it's about the connection that we're creating between you and the person providing the knowledge that's going to help you in your journey for either physical or uh, mental fitness. Well, when we talked to you during the audition for this, one thing that I thought was very cool was that you said you had classes in all different genres related to the health industry, of course. So when you were talking just now, I was thinking, you know, I might go there to look for yoga, but there's a basketball workout. I've never heard of a basketball workout. Like, I could do that in my driveway. It'd be pretty fun. I'd just take my computer and set it up out there or something <laughs> and watch it. And Or I could even do it in my basement. You know, we, we have a high enough ceiling. I could put a little basketball hoop there. So... People will go there for one thing, but then there's something else there that's very cool that will catch their interest. So that helps the artists too, right? Yeah, 100%. And I think that's where community comes in, right? So in the sense that when I go there, like you said, if I'm looking for, let's say, a yoga experience, and we will have that. We have an amazing yoga, two amazing yoga teachers on board already. And then you realize like, okay, this yoga is great, but I'd like to try something with a little more intensity. And you're like, well, I don't have to leave this site. I don't have to go anywhere else because Max is going to provide you with an amazing high intensity workout. And then you're thinking, great, my workout, my yoga's on point, but now I got to eat better. So then we'll be able to connect you with a nutritionist or a course on nutrition that was developed by one of our members. And then after that, maybe it's mental health. Maybe you're having issues with stress and anxiety. And so you'll take my course on stress management. I'm ready. Yeah, yes. absolutely. I need to sign, sign us up. All up. Absolutely. And I, think, and I think it's all about keeping people within the community, right? And I think community, especially here in New York, is something that is so strong and so powerful. And I think that, you know, you want to be proud of your community. So versus the, the, the Nike app. Great. You downloaded the Nike app. You got some decent workouts, but you're not connected to that. There's nothing that's connecting you emotionally to your app. I want that connection to be emotional. I want it to be powerful. And I want people to feel like they're part of a community, that they feel supported by this community, by this tribe. And that's where the name comes from, Flow Tribe. So part of doing that is having people share stories. What are some of the other things that Flow Tribe can do to help reinforce those connections? What we want to be able to offer as well is on a more technical side is we can help you, for example, manage your social media content. We can help you develop an online presence. We can help you tell your story because I've done interviews with some of our members. Some of them are fantastic. Some of them are extremely nervous and have a really hard time delivering. So maybe we're offering them coaching on how to properly speak during an interview, how to prepare for your interview. And I think that if we can provide those types of media services, 
it's going to not only obviously help us with our own platform, but it's going to help them as well because that's the secret, right? We want to leverage their memberships. We want to leverage their followers to bring them into our community so that we can all kind of share that way. And from a business perspective, it just makes sense. If I take, you know, one of our members has 5,000 Instagram followers. Well, those are 5,000 potential new Flowtribe members. And it's kind of a win-win for everyone. Flow Tribe sounds like just a fantastic idea. Tell us and our listeners where they can find you. So they can find us at Flow Tribe, which is flotribe.com. It's Flow Tribe on Instagram, Flow Tribe on Facebook as well. And most importantly, I just want people to know that what we're really looking for is people to help us build this. We're really at the prototype stage, and I'm just looking for the right technical expertise and the right business management expertise that's going to help us take this to the next level. So if there's anyone out there who thinks that this is a thing that they'd like to be connected to, then absolutely please uh, reach out and let's make this happen. Thank you very much, Patrick Charon. And we'll be back with the final pitch contestant. You're listening to WOR, the voice of New York. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W dot com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. Now we've come to last of our pitches, last but not least, Sanjay Veda, and he has got just another incredible product. Family Stories, his website. It's Family Stories with a dash in between. So take it away, Sanjay. Thank you, Elizabeth, and thank you, Richard. I'm Sanjay Veda. I'm the co-founder of Family Stories. What we do is we make personalized books for kids. What we really believe in is that the more kids learn about the world that they live in, the more they're likely to love it. And when you know more about people who are different from you, you're more likely to celebrate those differences rather than fear them. So how do we bring in this diversity education into into our worlds in a fun way. So what we did is we have a website, uh, family-stories.com, where you get to go in, you personalize the characters that you would like to see in your book. So it's kind of like creating avatars. You get to pick from different skin tones, different hairstyles. If you have glasses, you can put glasses on the characters. And once you do that, we take those characters and we put them in a wonderful personalized book. So the book is about a child who goes on an amazing treasure hunt to seven different countries, which are Peru, Kenya, Australia, Jordan, China, Italy, and then back to the US. And along the way, the child gets introduced to each local culture by a local kid that he or she meets while looking for clues and items that will help them get back home. So It's two things. One, it's a book that takes your child around the world, teaches them about different cultures and different countries. And at the same time, you get to personalize the book. So when a child reads the book, it's a story about them going around the world, having this amazing experience. That is really awesome. And I know kids really do need books where they see themselves. You know, if every kid looks the same in a book, then I remember thinking as a little girl, like, where's me in this book? Because I like to read adventure stories about boys who went and did all this great thing. It's like, well, girls do that too, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, exactly. And, but you also said that you write these books for any kind of family. So not everybody has a mom and a dad and... They all look the same. and Yeah, absolutely. right. There are very few books out there where, especially with regards to children's books, if you go to any bookstore, pick up a children's book, most of the time the characters you see in that are like, you know, a little boy, a little white boy with a puppy. So what we are trying to bring in is that diversity. And if, if you are reading a book and you are the hero in that book, that just inspires you to do something great. 
So it's not just uh, whether it's a boy or a girl. It's also about the families. Not every family is the same. You have families that have same-sex couples. You have single parents. You have interracial families. So what our website does or what our books do is you come into our website and you're able to customize your books to reflect what your family looks like. So in this adventure book that we have, if you're a same-sex couple with an adopted child, you just go into our website and you create your characters that reflect that. And then we take those characters, we put that in the book, and when your child reads a book, on the first page of the book, they're going to see two dads or two moms walking into their child's bedroom, giving them a gift, which happens to be a magic llama, by the way, which takes them on an adventure throughout the world. I want one. <laughs> you want a magic llama? <laughs> yes, I want a magic llama. <laughs> who, who, who does not like magic llamas? As long as it's magic. An ordinary llama... <laughs> We no. don't want. We want the magic one. But at the end of this process, what the consumer gets is an actual real storybook. So I just want to make sure our listeners understand that you're not going to the website and getting uh, something you print out or a PDF file. They actually get a very nice, well-illustrated storybook that they can sit and read with their child, right? So it's something that's tangibly delivered, and the website is just the means to put the information in, right? Yes, absolutely. So once you create your characters, you get to preview the entire book online. You can, In fact, you can read the entire book online, and when you order, we send you a hardcover physical copy of the book, and people really love that because I don't know too many parents who prefer their kids sitting with an iPad at the dinner table. That's the reason we try to stay as far away from just making this into an ebook to actually creating a physical product because it lets the child have a very special connection with their, with their book because they see themselves in it, they see their name in it, they see their family in it. It's a very nice book. I mean, I've seen it a, a couple of times. It really will be a treasure for the family. Yeah, absolutely. Sanjay, I think this is just incredible what you're doing. I love the fact that you have books that you're creating rather than just digital medium for the families to uh, enjoy. And I wish our listeners could see the colors and so on that they have. I think it's going to be a great gift idea for any preschooler or uh, young child. My real question is, how can you do this economically? Uh, Printing one-off books has to be a very, very expensive process for you. And you must have figured out some ways to do this economically, uh, to be able to deliver it to a custom book to anybody. Well, that's what took us a very long time. That's one of the reasons it took us about like, you know, almost two years to establish this company because printing on demand is extremely expensive. But thanks to our printing partners, uh, CPI, which is ba- who are based in, in the UK, uh, and our partners here in the US, uh, Bridgeport National Bindery, they worked with us to figure out how to do this economically. So we worked very closely with them to integrate our technology with their technology as well as help them come up with the right processes on their factory floor to make sure that these books are printed and shipped in an affordable way. And I think that you told me that you have a new process that you haven't patented yet, so we are not going to talk about it here, (laughs) um, based on AI that reduces the price quite a bit. That is correct. It's just going to make the bookmaking process a lot more efficient, and it'll help us publish a lot more books. That product, it's in a prototype phase right now. We are looking for authors and investors to join us to take this to the next level. So how many books have you sold so far? I mean, you've been in business for a while. We've been in business for just about a year, a little less than a year. So uh, most of our sales have been through, like, you know, friends and family. We haven't really put in much money into marketing and all that. So we sold uh, over a thousand books, and the response has been fantastic, especially from LGBT parents uh, single parents, they absolutely love it. One more thing I forgot to tell you is these books work for single parents as well. You just uh, take one adult out and, and then it becomes a child with one parent. And these are fragments of our society which have been neglected when it comes to children's books, giving them an option to create a book like this for themselves. They just love it. I think children are just going to enjoy seeing what they can live with and what, what they deal with day to day in an actual book. And it's just wonderful. These aren't soft cover, cheap books, but nice, beautiful, hard covered books that young children can chew on the corners and uh, enjoy for years to come. (laughs) Yeah. And I got to tell you, I have 
hardcover, beautiful books from when my kids were really little. And I'm saving them if I ever have grandkids, who knows? But <laughs> but I'm we're going to keep them forever. So I just think this is a beautiful idea. I think it's wonderful. And we will all here very much applaud you for doing this. So we all wish you the best success. And it is family-stories, S-T-O-R-I-E-S dot com. And you can go on the website and you can see an example of the books. You can order a book, Sanjay Veda. Thank you very much, Sanjay. Thank you. You are listening to WOR 710, Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearhart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearhartLaw.com. At Gearhart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And our very special guest this evening, John Coleman. We've come to the end of our presentations this evening, and they were all great, weren't they? Yes, I'm glad we had such incredible people on our show. Remember everyone now to go to the Passage to Profit page at GearhartLaw.com, spelled G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W, and vote for your favorite project. To summarize, we had Robert D. Domenico with Cargo Fish, the physical internet. We had Patrick Charon with Flow Tribe, F L O T R I B E, the online health and wellness community with classes and everything you need on one site. And Sanjay Veda, familystories.com, books for kids from families that you don't always see in books. And so now Google Passage to Profit and make your choice. Remember, you can only vote once, and you have until next Sunday at 7 p.m. to vote. This evening's pitch contestants will receive a Passage to Profit t-shirt, and the best overall vote getter for the show will receive an Amazon gift card. Before we sign off, I would like to say thanks to everyone who participated today. I really, really, truly just love hearing these pitches each week. And I never vote, as you know, if you've ever listened to me before, because I can never pick a favorite. And I think these just show human ingenuity is best and how we're just always pushing forward into the future and always coming up with things that are going to make our lives better. And that's what I love about being in the entrepreneurial space. Yeah, so many great projects that are taking us in new directions, new ways to value diversity. We have new ways to build communities. We have new ways to supply goods and services to people. And we have new ways to communicate. So such a positive environment that we're living in. And it's really exciting to be able to meet the people who are making this happen and to be able to talk about it on this show. John? Elizabeth and Richard, this was excellent. It was so much fun. I've uh, been a listener to podcasts and uh, iHeartRadio as well as WR for years and years. But being on this side of the microphone, participating in Passage to Profit has been a new and exciting experience to me. I really enjoyed each of the presenters in terms of the uh, inventions that they have and the uh, ideas that they're promoting. So thank you very much for having me as your guest. Thank you. That's John Coleman with Macrosoft, the big one. <laughs> <laughs> and John, and where, where, where can they find Macrosoft? We're located in Parsippany, New Jersey. And we can be found on the web at www.macrosoftinc.com. Great. And we'd like to thank our producer, Noah Fleischman, our media maven, Kenya Gibson, our engineer, Rob, and the whole iHeart team. And don't forget to join us next week for another excellent speaker and another round of pitches. You can start thinking about what your pitch will be. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This is Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart on iHeart with Passage to Profit, W-O-R-7-10, the voice of New York. <laughs>